Check this out. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to shut it for you real quick. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, don't roll it. Hit it downhill. With power, you're running straight downhill. You know where we're coming. We know where y'all gonna be lined up at. Now you just gotta stop. I'm saying I'm better than you. It's the doctor, TC Martin. Peace mode is already inside. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us here on this Monday. Yes, magnificent Monday, manic Monday, call it what you want. It is a beautiful Monday. Especially if you were betting favorites over the course of the weekend. All right, we'll talk about that, especially on the NFL side. I don't know, man. Marco D'Angelo is in the house with me. My bookend. What's going on, my friend? I hate kickers. <laughs> you hate kickers? I hate kickers. Mm. Preferably a kicker kickers. in New England and a kicker in Buffalo. Mm. Both both of them ruined a perfect weekend. Wait. Buffalo. Okay. Did you say New England? I did say New England. Wait, is this the same New England as in the New England Patriots? It is. The same New England Patriots that you have told me repeatedly going back to, I think it's about six weeks ago, they're dead to me. Is that the same New England Patriots you're talking about? It did. And you know I do a show that we do at Wager Talk, and I had to apologize before I even gave that play because I told everybody that they were dead to me. But because they were coming off the bye, Belichick, Playing a rookie quarterback, you know the success that they've had. Two weeks to prepare. I said they get a one-week reprieve. They come back on the cart for one week. They are dead. They're not any game. You told me they were dead two months ago, and then you bet them the week after, and then I think two weeks after. No, but this time, give me the quote. You said this time they are what? Dead to me. No, no, no. They're really dead to you. They're really dead to me. And yeah. would you just tell me a minute or, or, or 22 seconds before we went on the air, you said... <laughs> I go, hate no. no, you said they're really dead to me this time? Right. They are officially What are you off the doing? Schedule. Why are you betting? Carolina's the worst team in football, right? Okay. And New England's the second worst team. Why are you asking bad teams to do something good for you? Have you the seen... The T.C. Martin man, mantra. I've said that forever. What are you doing? You're a professional handicapper. You don't bet these ham and egg teams. They were playing the New York football <laughs> giants. They're worse with Tommy DeVito. Come on. There are 32, ga- 32 teams in the NFL. There are 16 games each and every week. No, there's 15 games for the rest of the season. I'm not even, <laughs> I'm not even looking at the game. I am not look either way. In or oh. out. I am not looking at them at all. Their, their games are dead to me. Really? Yeah, just not on a schedule. If I have to put a piece of tape on my computer screen to block it out so I'm not tempted, they're done. Absolutely done. Okay. This, hold on. This this leads me to something I wanted to talk about today. Might as well hit it right now. Is that this was the worst NFL card I have seen all year. When you look at the matchups. When you look at the morning games on Sunday, (laughs) I couldn't watch anything. I couldn't watch any of those games and go, this is pathetic. Do you realize 
that I can't remember seeing another week like this where you had of the 16 games overall, there were only two games where you had two winning teams facing off against each other. I can never remember that. How about you? No, it was pretty pathetic. Uh, There's no question about that. And we have, that's what we've got in the NFL this year. You've got a handful of teams that are really good, and you've got a big cluster of mediocre teams that are fighting for wild card spots. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the bottom of the barrel, and the bottom of the barrel is horrible. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, New England, absolutely. Uh, Bill Belichick, I don't know. He's got to be pulling out his hair. The you know the hoodie's got to be not happy with what he's got in New England. He benches Mac Jones again. I mean, how many times can one? They should set up an over under between Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. Who's going to be benched more times during the course of the season? You know, and, and that would be an interesting bet. But it, how bad? And but the thing of it is, as bad as New England has been offensively, they have played good defensively. And like I said, you give Belichick two weeks to prepare for a rookie quarterback. I had to give them the one last shot, and it was absolutely <laughs> pain, painful to watch that game. I, you know, I you have, actually watched this miserable game. Well, Wait a minute. Then you had your Steelers and the Bengals, another atrocious game. And they had over 400 yards on Sunday, the new offensive wait, coordinator. Wait, so you were watching more. So your left eye was watching that game. So you were being left eye dominated because you're watching this garbage game. I believe that was zero zero at halftime in the Giants, uh, Patriots game. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we were at Slice on Sunday, which, you know, of course you were, you were missed because you wanted to go hang out somewhere else and watch the Steelers and Bengals. That's what you told me with your buddies. And what I do, I said, bring your buddies. I'll comp them. They're going to eat for free. And I'll (laughs) even put that pathetic game of the Steelers and Bengals on the sound for you. I said that to you. And then, okay, I'm going to hit my buddies up. See ya. Yeah. Um, save the $100 or whatever you guys are, you know, $200 you were buying food. Come eat for free. I'll get it there. Yeah, yeah, I'll talk to him. And what? here's the sound that I got back from you in the next 12 hours. Yeah. That's what I got back Crickets. I got nothing from you. Yeah. So you went over to your Steeler, you know, whatever, watering hole, spent a ton of money. You're not even watching your team that game, which was a pathetic game to begin with. Again, I had know, a bet on two that losing teams. I had Cincinnati. I had Cincinnati in a teaser. So I needed that. Oh, like, that was, I needed that, that last that, second. That worked out real good for no, you. It did. It did. In a teaser. Got the field got you. Yeah. yeah. But the then you're guy. watching Buffalo in New England. Yeah. And I'm, I'm making fun of this over at Slice going like, get this game off the screen. You know, you don't even need this game. Oh, wait a minute. Look at all these other, uh, the Saints and, and the Falcons. Well, we don't need that on the screen. Uh, what's the best game on the morning docket? The Jaguars and the Texans. You would think two losing teams, right? That's one of only two games all weekend from Thursday to Monday where you've got Two teams with winning records facing off. The other being Buffalo and Philly. No, Buffalo's a losing record, my friend. Uh, Buffalo's got five wins. Yeah, they have a losing record. No, two games. The other was Seattle and San Francisco on Thursday night. But anyway, yeah, uh, so you were watching that game glued 
to the your television. And I wasn't you're going glued nuts. to it. Uh, I I was glued to the new to the the Pittsburgh Cincinnati because you know I'm a, I'm a fan of Pittsburgh, but I tease Cincinnati. So the whole time, and all my buddies are rooting for Pittsburgh. You know that I was hanging with. You know, full disclosure. And you had your Steelers like, shirt just, on, your jersey on. You just. Let them win. You had your Bubby Brister jersey on. Don't don't let them win by more than eight. I had the teaser at eight and a half. And then we're sitting at, you know, it was two score game, you know, and I said, let them, they need two scores. Get, take the field goal. Go ahead and take the field goal here. You know, for once that worked out for yeah. me where, you know, the two scores where they kicked the field goal first and then, then everybody's happy. Steelers win. I cover the teaser, which I teased them with Atlanta, which was no sweat. Right. They got, they got the easy end on the teaser, but you know, that's the way it is. But that was on the big screen because the people know where we go. We wanted the Steelers and we went to this particular place because it's a Chicago Bears bar. You can't get in there on a Sunday, okay? But since the Bears were playing tonight, we knew I could dictate what was going to be on the big screen. We went there. Sure enough, sound, big screen, had Pittsburgh in Cincinnati and got it to watch that sensational Pittsburgh offense put up 420-some yards. Kenny Pickett going deep. The only bad part of the game yesterday, and I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter because it's been everywhere, uh, Johnson, the wide receiver for the Steelers, um, just literally quit on a play. He just mm-hmm. – it was a third and two play, and I guess he wasn't happy that they they called a running play and he wasn't going to get the ball. He didn't even move when the snap uh, the snap of the ball. He stood there. Continued to stand there as the fumble went right by him. <laughs> I, I can't believe this. Uh, I had no intention of talking about these two games that you just brought up for the last 10 minutes. You the, opened the door, sir. Uh, you yeah, you but, asked yeah, me what, you, how you, my day yeah, was, and yeah. I said I hate kickers. You know, <sighs> Buffalo kicker missed two field goals yesterday that would have got me the win, you know, in regulation. We wouldn't mm-hmm. have to go to overtime and settle for the push. And, you know, we'll but, talk about that game a lot, a yeah, lot more because yeah. Philadelphia is, it, it, it's ridiculous. I know you were at the Raider game, so you were glued to that game, but you got to pull up the stats on the Philadelphia Buffalo game. Oh, I know. Uh, Buffalo ran nearly a hundred plays in this game. They ran over 90 plays in this game. So I got a chance to jet out of the Raider game. Uh, the two minute warning, no traffic whatsoever. So I could get home and, and I turned on the radio immediately and I heard the, um, about the last, um, I got home with about still about three, four minutes to go in regulation. And then I got to see the overtime, but listening to Merrill Reese, uh, I've had Merrill Reese on, on my show in, in years past. He's a long time Philadelphia Eagles, uh, play by play announcer, iconic guy. And I'm turning on this radio because I had Buffalo teased. And when I saw 28-24 when I left Allegiant Stadium that they were behind, I go, I can't believe it. They blew two 10-point leads, and then Philadelphia had the ball. I'm going, watch Hertz, who just engineered back-to-back touchdown drives, right? And I said, watch watch them now go up by 11, and I'm going to you know, have to sweat out a backdoor cover. So then I get in the car, and I hear Meryl Reese saying, he's like all – distraught and he's going like the Eagles defense is tired. They can't stop anybody, this and that. And I'm going, okay, it means Buffalo has the ball. And they had it the 23. I go, oh, this is good. And they're like, there was no doubt that according to the Eagles announcers, that Buffalo was going to score. 
I hadn't seen the stats at that point in time. Then when I got home, I saw the stats. I go, wow, Buffalo thoroughly dominated this game. And again, you know, I'm kind of a, I don't want to say I'm a closet Buffalo fan, but I bet on Buffalo a lot. And of course, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs are on my, my fantasy team, my first place fantasy team, because especially of Josh Allen and, uh, another fantastic uh, day for him. But I really felt bad. Like this team is going to lose. Again, which they can't afford to lose because that victory would have benefited them so much because they'd still be in the race. And now you give away a game. And like you said, I wasn't aware about the two missed field goals, but they dominated the game. And then Philadelphia comes comes back, forces the overtime, and then you get the long field goal in, in, in OT by Jake Elliott. In those type of conditions, I mean, wow, it was uh, it was crazy to see Buffalo lose that game. And if you bet Buffalo, for the most part, you didn't win. You got to push at best. You got to push in unless you're a teaser way, Buffalo, That was the other game with a winning record. Buffalo was six and five entering. The okay, game. so it was three. In yeah. Buffalo in the other stat, they had five hundred and five yards of, of offense. Okay, they had forty minutes in time of possession. Did you see the disparity in the penalties? Mm-hmm. It was absolutely yes. thirteen to yes. four uh, difference in penalties. It, it was like it was ridiculous to watch the game. And but you know what? It's like watching every single Philadelphia Eagle game all season long. This is what they do. Teams let them. You know, it was absolutely a carbon copy of watching the Monday night game against the Chiefs. Um, and once again, the Buffalo guy dropped a wide open touchdown down the sidelines. Just laid it out perfect. Josh Allen's laid it out for him. All he had to do run under the football, make it off his off his fingertips. And, uh, you know, you, you missed the touchdown. It was just one of those games. And 505 yards, think about this. The entire game was played in a driving, in a driving rain. <laughs> it, it got worse as the game went on. From halftime to the end of the game, it was just downpour. And for him to nail that field goal that he hit at the end of the game, uh, you know, to get the game to overtime, amazing. But, you know, Buffalo, it's not their year. They're snake bit. And as you said, that win would have put them right back in the hunt for the wild card, kept them alive for the AFC East. Now it's going to be an uphill battle for Buffalo, who undoubtedly right now, you know, we joke about it, you know, every week when we look at some of these teams, they are the best six and six team, 500 team, you know, in, in the NFL. Yeah. They've yeah. been snake bitten all of their. No you know. question. No question. And like I've said before, Milano, their linebacker, when he went out, it just seems like this defense, uh, lost a whole lot and uh, just a, kind of the unsung hero. But remember, Allen went through those interception issues early on. He's been playing, you know, pretty much clean, you know, relatively clean for the most part. And, uh, they're getting some good production out of Cook. But I just thought if Buffalo could pull that game off yesterday, that okay, watch out for this team going, you know, the rest of the way here in the regular season. But yeah, that that was a heartbreaker, and you don't know how teams are going to respond, you know, to that. I think Buffalo's got enough character, so they'll still be okay. And they, you know, because of what everything is else is happening in the AFC with teams beating up each other, and again, a lot of I don't want to say mediocrity, but a lot of you know, just right above five hundred records, they are still in the hunt at this point in time with five games to go. The surprising thing, uh, and I hope when he said it going to overtime that that was the reverse jinx, 
But Josh Allen in his career is now 0-6 in overtime games. Isn't that crazy? As good as good as that team yeah. has been yeah. the last, you know, how many years in Josh, you would think somewhere along the line they would have won an overtime game. That was a heartbreaker because he didn't do anything <clears throat> to um have this team lose. Now, granted, the throw to Gabe Davis in the end zone. I don't know whose fault that was in looking at the body language and everything. It looked like it was more on Gabe Davis he's who turned the tur- wrong way. He's one. supposed to turn to the yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah, And Allen just couldn't believe it. And then we saw Diggs go up to Davis on the sideline and saying, hey, man, it's, you know, you, you got to read that better. Hmm. And, yeah, that that was heartbreak. And when they didn't get that and they had to settle for the field goal, you just kind of knew, okay, this is yeah. – Well, yeah, you missed the, the other one that I was talking about when he threw the pass down the sidelines. Guy – Wide open. Yeah. Right. Wide open for a touchdown. He's three yards behind the defender and he, he doesn't pull it in. All right. All right. All right. Um, yeah. So a lot to talk about uh, today. We'll recap a very busy NFL Sunday and weekend. Favorites dominate the board. Uh, just rolled yesterday, just yesterday alone, uh, eight and two yesterday with, uh, with, with the favorites, uh, covering everything. And uh, so Chuck Esposito will join us uh, next hour, and we'll talk to uh, to Chuck regarding uh, the favorites covering twelve of fifteen games this weekend, uh, and that is uh, amazing. That actually ties the record for most in a single week. You got to go back to week twelve, back in twenty seventeen. And like I mentioned yesterday, favorites eight and two. And if Minnesota covers the game tonight as a three point favorite against the Chicago Bears, they will break the record where favorites would win 13 of the 16 games. So you would think had to be a monstrous day for the players against the books. So we'll get Chuck Esposito's uh, thoughts on that. But yes, uh, we got a lot to talk about with the NFL, college football. We'll talk about uh, the championship games that are coming up this weekend and the big college football games uh, last Saturday, including UNLV losing to San Jose State at Allegiant Stadium. However, UNLV will still host the Mountain West Conference Championship game. So a lot of college football, a lot of NFL, and of course we'll preview tonight's game between the Vikings and the Bears Monday Night Football. But we start with the breaking news today. Coming off the Raiders' loss to the Chiefs yesterday, uh, the Raiders made some moves, uh, and they had two unfortunate is- incidents uh, happen. One late night, Saturday night, early Sunday morning, where Roderick Teamer um, was arrested for speeding and um, arrested for driving under the influence. So uh, he was not uh, active uh, yesterday. Today, he was waived uh, by the Raiders. Then you have Marcus Peters, who got in a argument on the sideline during the, the game yesterday. Um, Antonio Pierce did not want to talk about why he benched Marcus Peters for the remainder of the second half. You tell he wasn't happy uh, with Peters' conduct and really not probably happy with Peters' play for the most part of this season as well, too. Peters only had one interception all season long. He was a high-paid cornerback. And uh, you've heard me talk about Marcus Peters in the past. I just have never uh, seen the love for this guy. This guy has just been a problem with every team he's been in, been on. 
and the Raiders basically paid him a boatload of money with a one-year contract. Well, today they mercifully say goodbye to Marcus Peters. So Marcus Peters waived uh, due to his argument on the sideline as well as play. So um, no one in the organization is is really talking about it, but you could see that there is some discontent there uh, from Antonio Pierce, probably a defensive coordinator as well too, and Marcus Peters, and then the situation with Roderick Teamer uh, being arrested Saturday night. So let's start with with Teamer because we got the news yesterday. Got to the stadium, the Teamer you know got arrested. The team stays together at the team hotel the night before. They stay out the M. What is this clown doing speeding? I don't know if he's speeding on St. Rose Parkway. I don't know if it's on the strip. He's, he got his weekends mixed up with Formula One. I have no idea. But why are you out drinking and then you get pulled over for speeding and DUI? So does that mean he had to mean he broke curfew? So I don't understand it. That tells you guys not committed to, you know, to himself or the team. But you don't need the nonsense. Uh, very happy that 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 Mark Davis and company said enough of these clowns, enough of the clown moves. So Teamer gets arrested. He gets waived. Peters is a problem child, has been for a long time. Just ask the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the L.A. Rams, and now you come to the Raiders, and uh, he gets in a in an argument on the sideline yesterday. He's gone. So uh, good riddance to both of those guys, but what the heck? I mean, a, a DUI the night before a game? Please explain that one to me. You can't. And as you said, they're at the hotel, which happens to also be a casino, which, you know, if, you know, which you shouldn't be having. Is there a fucking, racetrack there? Yeah, no, there, well, up, actually up the street from there, there is. <laughs> That's true. Oh, there is. There, yeah, you know, one yeah. of those experienced ones up there. But, you know, where did he have to go to drink? Okay. Last time I looked, you know, you, they have alcohol at the casino. Not that he should even have been having any, hey, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not a big drinker, but they got some nice, comfortable bars and lounges in the M. I got to tell oh, you. They that. do. Yeah. Absolutely. Very nice. Very nice. And you can hear some good music while you're there as well, too. Yeah. Uh, comfy couches. Yeah. But no, he wanted to go, you know. Someone more a little, little, you know, hip and upscale, I guess. I don't know where he went or whatever, but you're driving. Why are you even driving? You're in the hotel. You stay in the hotel, stay in your room, go to bed. Good night. Done. We've had this conversation last year too. Don't the Raiders supply, uh, rides for their players too? If they're out and they need it. Oh, if they're out. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. again, but. You can't call for a ride when you're out if you're not supposed to be out. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, it, it's a, it's a bad situation. You know, that's an automatic, you know, for him. The Marcus Peters, what always amazes me is when people trade or, or get a guy in that's been a problem child other places, why everybody thinks I am going to be the one that fixes him. You know, and I know Belichick, and I hate to bring him up again, but Belichick has taken guys in New England and has gotten the most out of some problem childs in the past. But it's just, you can't change your spots. You are who you are mm -hmm. in these players. We've seen it. You know, Marcus Peters has not done anything this year. Nothing. Nothing. One interception. Yeah. And that was, if you remember that game, <clears throat> it was against the Lions where he happened to be in the right spot and the ball went right into his arms and he returned it for a touchdown 
That was it. Yep. That's what he did. That's what he did all season long. Right place, right time. Other than that, it looks like he's been immune to tackling. Been one of the worst tacklers that we've seen in the National Football League. Uh, he's a guy that has always been penalty prone with every team that he's ever been on. And he had never understood it. Said it when the, why, why do you want to deal with this guy if you're the Raiders? I understand you need help in the defensive backfield. I understand that, but be careful of, of what you're going to do because he commands a high salary and he's definitely on the downside of his career. No, it's, it's, it's a joke and it just falls in line with the other problem players that the Raiders have had on both sides of the ball. Arnett, remember that? <laughs> I mean, you know, the machine guns and all the other nonsense. And then on the offensive side, the Henry Ruggs to others. I mean, it just keeps going on and on. And then, so then you get, you know, teamer, you know, you would think again, it just goes to show you really how clueless these players are, especially if you suit up with the Raiders. Okay. You suit up with the Raiders. You have to know the history and you would think that the message would get down, you know, to the players like, okay, we have a bad history here about a one of our our prized draftees got killed, a person and their dog, and is doing a long time in prison right now. We don't want to be anywhere, you know, near that conversation again. So every bonehead move that a Raider player makes, it is going to be compared to that. And we want to get away from that. You would think that message would get across to every single player. And all it takes, Marco, is one conversation. One conversation. Do you understand that. You understand. And more likely, players going to say, okay, I'm not going to do it. Now, I'm not going to make excuses for the Raiders because they have had now, what, going on three general managers since that time, Mike Mayock, um, Dave Ziegler, and now you got an interim. GM, think about that. You've got three different GMs in the matter of three years. That's crazy. But you've got to address this about the off-the-field behavior. Antonio Pierce had a quote today uh, regarding um, the the uh, teamer and the Marcus Peters uh, situation as well, too where Antonio Pierce says, whatever you do off the field affects the decisions that are going to be made in this building, and we're going to do our best to protect the brand, the shield, and the Raiders organization. Okay, that's that, that's great. But obviously, this message does not get get back to, uh, you know, to these players. And uh, as far as uh, Marcus Peters goes, Antonio Pierce had this to say, I respect what he's done in this game. He's professional, but it's a business. We're all going to get cut. We're all going to get fired, get hired to get fired, right? So he understands that. I understand that. Antonio Pierce, uh, you know, saying those words today regarding Marcus Peters. Oh, give him credit. I mean, he's he's done everything that you could ask for him so far as an interim head coach. Okay, granted, now that he's played a couple teams that had talent, it's two and two. But we'll see how it goes. But they did jump out. I mean. Everybody, oh, upset alert. 14 nothing Raiders yesterday. They jumped up, but then nothing happened after that. And again, I didn't watch the game. I was locked onto the other one. So I'm just looking at box scores. Mm-hmm. You, you saw the game. Did you like what you saw for a half and that's it? Or well, what, what happened? What I saw, I felt it was deja vu. 
all over again. Because if you remember last year, the Chiefs fell behind 17-0 to the Raiders. And the Chiefs came storming back to win. So when the Raiders scored the first touchdown, 7-0, it was it was a nice drive. It was pretty a pretty flawless drive. And then they held Kansas City, and they came back, and, and they scored again, and it was 14-0. But never did I feel like, okay, the Raiders are going to win this game going away. It's just a matter of Kansas City converting some first downs, extending drives. And then once Kansas City gets rolling, they're going to get rolling. Because you know part of the handicap was, okay, Andy Reid coming off of a loss. We always talk about Andy Reid coming off a bye, and I think I talked about this on, on Friday's show, is that with our best bets, it's like they're going to they're gonna find their groove. And I know that they've kind of come to a halt in the second half, like we saw the week before against the Eagles. But yeah, they're going to be they're going to be ready to go, especially come second half. So when it's 14 to 7, I uh said to the person sitting to my left, I said, I think we're going to be on the verge of 21-7 before you know it. And that's when they scored their the Chiefs scored their first touchdown. They were down 14-7. And then sure enough, it was 14 all in the half. First possession of the second half. Kansas City scores. It's they're up seven and at that point in time. You could just feel that, okay, the Raiders are not coming back from this. So yeah, at no point or time did I feel threatened if you're a Chiefs fan or you bet the Chiefs that they weren't going to win. Covering the nine, nine and a half, mm, that was, you know, that was up, up for debate uh, uh, until the final minutes. But here's what happened the Chiefs outscored the Raiders 31 to three in the final 36 minutes. Mm. 31 to three. In the final 36 minutes of this football game, Kansas City scored their first touchdown, 636 remaining in the second quarter. And that was it. From that moment on, the Raiders got a Daniel Carlson field goal, and that was it. Yeah, in Kansas City, 17 in the second half. So, you know, mm-hmm. but this is the first time that they were, you know, in a while that they were in a game. All right. So they had to score in the second half. We come back. We will dive more into that. You will hear from Antonio Pierce. You'll also hear some interesting words from Devontae Adams after the game as well. And as you know, Devontae Adams has been very, very frustrated after most of these games. So you'll hear from him. You'll hear from the interim head coach, Antonio Pierce. And we continue on recapping a Monday afternoon edition. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. California. All right. Continuing on here is that we roll towards a Monday night football game tonight. Yes, we've got some interest in that between the Vikings and the Bears. We'll talk to Chuck Esposito about that next hour. We've got plenty of college football to recap from the weekend as well, too. And we'll talk about championship game week. So we'll start previewing all that stuff as early as today. Looking forward to that. Don't forget, back at the Westgate of Las Vegas on our Friday edition of the show, 2 to 4 p.m. Come on out, see the show live at the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house, my bookend partner on Mondays and Fridays. And, of course, go to wagertalk.com and get Marco's plays, subscribe to his plays. It doesn't matter the sport. My man is all over it. 
and plenty uh, now on the board with college basketball, the NBA, the NHL. But of course, we are smack dab in the middle of college and the NFL uh, season. So, how'd you end up doing yesterday? Uh, on, on your plays. And I, and I do want to give you credit for uh, your play. I don't want to say play of the year, but we talked about it on Friday and uh, mucho kudos, even though it, it hurts UNLV fans, but you were all over San Jose State and uh, what an easy cover that was. It was 10 nothing before you could blink an eye and the Rebels tried to play catch up and, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about the <laughs> these championship games and that. They got screwed, dude. Yeah, they, I, that, it's a bad situation the way that played out. But UNLV lost, and they're hosting the championship mm-hmm. game. So uh, I don't know if I'll have to go to another game or not. I really want to go to the Pac-12 championship game here on Friday. It is again, we've become such a uh, sports town. Oregon and Washington. You know how good that game is going to be. Did you see the line? Did you see how much of a line? Moved? I'm not sure it's going to be that good of a game because of that line. I mean, right now, Oregon is playing so much better than Washington. Washington struggled again. And it seems like it's like a broken record to keep talking about this. Better part of the last four weeks or so, we're saying Washington struggled. Remember, the schedule uh, struggled against, was it uh, Arizona State? You know, and they had that, you know, that, that shootout. Uh, you know, with the SC, and then now you, you're talking about the Apple Cup, and I get it. It's a rivalry. They won that game by three. Pure and simple. At home. Watching them play the last month, except the USC game, they look like a team that's playing not to lose instead of playing to win. They got away from their bread and butter, and, you know, the pressure mounts. I mean, this is a team, you know, we said it numerous times. I like Michael Pendix Jr. I like Washington. It's been a long time since they've been this relevant this late in the season. And you got young kids that it's a lot of pressure when you've got that zero in the loss column and so much is on, on the line. They win. They're, they're going to be one of the four teams playing for the national championship. They lose. It's going to create total chaos. Oregon wins and has the one loss. If Alabama somehow beats Georgia and has the one loss yeah. and Texas is going to be, have no shot. I'll, I'll say this. In, no shot. And we'll touch more about the college scenario here at the top of the hour next segment. But I don't, if they upset Oregon, I'm not sure they're slam dunk in just because they have a no, because they're going to be other teams. And, and again, it has to come down to the eye test and you look at the, the strength of schedule. You telling me, if Washington's undefeated and you've got a one-loss Georgia team or a one-loss Alabama team or a one-loss Texas team and an undefeated Florida State team, someone's getting left out there. All right. Oh, and by the way, a uh, undefeated Michigan team and a one-loss Ohio State team. We just reeled off seven teams there. The Three are going to go bye-bye. And for, to me, just of the teams that I mentioned, who's the worst team of that I just mentioned? Probably, you know, probably Washington. Uh, you can, that, you can but, make that argument, right? But if they win, you can make that argument. But if you, if they win, who else has beaten a, like a top five team twice in the same year? Who else has that on their resume? Oregon would have two losses though, but they still you know would have been, they would have still, they've been like top five, six all, all year long. You can't take that away. They're not, but, they haven't been top three or four and it is the Pac 12. 
It, and and that, well, because and that goes into because, it too. Because it's being blown up, that might have Not just that, to... because the lack of success that a Pac-12 team has had. They've, they, haven't, they don't get invited to the dance because there's not a whole lot of respect there. And a lot of the eyeballs are not watching those late games. Yeah. So I still say they'll they'll get in. To me, I think the yeah. team that's going to get that's well, absolutely screwed. There's no way that they can get in, and they deserve just as much. Texas has no shot because they've been behind Washington and Oregon mm-hmm. all season long. So they're not going to leapfrog one of those teams. If Oregon wins, you know, Oregon's going to have you know one loss, and it was only to Washington, who was undefeated mm-hmm. in the. I, I don't know, my good, friend. Don't be surprised. And it's not going to help Texas that they're playing Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship yeah. game because, again, they're a 14-point favorite, so they're expected to win. So it's not like they're being tested. Now, if they were playing Oklahoma or somebody else, then it's like, mm, okay, you know, the you way get more get, points for that. The way that everything gets screwed up is if Alabama wins. That's, that's what's going to cause the domino effect mm-hmm. for other teams because people are, you know, you're going to have a one-loss Alabama mm-hmm. team and they just beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. But if they do beat Georgia... Are you saying bye to Georgia? Are you keeping them in? I think Georgia's in regardless because they're the perennial number one team, the defending champion. They're not, they're not, they're in. So again, so now just eliminate the conversation of, of now it's down to three teams. You know, who are the other three teams? Cause Georgia's going to be in regardless. So I don't know. we'll talk more about that uh, next segment. So back to the Raiders. Again, uh, what we saw yesterday with the Chiefs, a 31-17 relatively easy victory, especially in the second half, mentioned that Kansas City outscored the, the Raiders 31-3 to in the final 36 minutes. This was just a class and experience showed out situation. You're not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs with a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach. It's just not going to happen, especially when the Chiefs are coming off a loss in how much they have dominated the Raiders in the past. Kansas City defeated the Raiders for the sixth straight time yesterday afternoon. They've now won 16 of the last 18 meetings between the two teams. Andy Reid put on a clinic yesterday. This team never wavered when they were down 14-0. Mahomes was calm, cool, collective. That first drive that they had when they were down 14-0, First play, coming out when they took over the 25-yard line, about a 20-yard connection to Travis Kelsey. And then Mahomes, you know, had two breakaway runs. Uh, spot on, and at that point in time, you just knew, okay, now it's 14-7. It's going to be 14 all before you know it, and that's what the uh, score was at halftime, and they went on to roll here. But this was just... I don't want to say it was expected, but it was expected. I mean, they were a nine, nine and a half point favorite, the Chiefs were. And at any time, you just never felt that, that the Raiders were going to win this game, even when they were ahead 14 nothing. Josh Jacobs carried the ball 20 times yesterday for 110 yards. The Raiders are committed to the run, and they're too committed to the run. We heard Antonio Pierce last week and Josh Jacobs because Jacobs was complaining in the game against Miami how he he wants the ball more. He should be getting it 20 times. Well, and we heard Antonio Pierce said, yeah, we, we got to get Josh the ball at least 20 times. Well, guess what? They were successful. Jacobs carried the ball 20 times for 110 yards. But seriously, what good is that? 
Because this team continues to be so predictable. I, I, it's like they're more concerned with establishing the run with this archaic, antiquated, old school mentality of how to, you know, in the NFL. That does you no good in this pass happy league, especially if you're not getting points at the end of these drives and you're turning the ball over to the greatest quarterback that we've seen in recent times with Patrick Mahomes and one of the greatest coaches in Andy Reid. But seriously, what good does it do you to commit to the run? Because what happens with a rookie quarterback in Aiden O'Connell, people are going to say, oh, O'Connell looked really good yesterday. Well, yeah, he looked good. He didn't turn the ball over. Great. But what did he do on third down? What did he do the most important time? He failed. He looked silly. He got sacked, made some ill-advised throws, was under duress, and especially those last couple drives – when they had a chance to come back, he couldn't get the, the ball done. Again, it's experience versus non-experience and the play calling abysmal yesterday once again for the Raiders. Okay, when you look at the box score and you said they committed to the run, Josh Jacobs, 20 rushes, 110 yards. That looks great. But you can also do, is the glass half empty or the glass half full? Because if you take out the 63-yard touchdown run, he had 19 carries mm-hmm. and 47 yards. Right. Okay, that's not good. You take out that one run. So, yeah, if you're getting a young quarterback where they're never ahead of the sticks, you know, down in distance, favorable, and then you're putting them in third and longs, you're not going to have success. It's not going to happen. I like that they try to keep the run, but you have to be balanced with the rookie quarterback. But again, you know my feeling there. I still say if this team wants their best chance to win, Aiden O'Connell is not your quarterback right now. That's pure and simple. <laughs> again, it's, you know, I made that argument from day one. They decided to, to go with uh, O'Connell. Said it last week. I'm going to say it again. If, if you really truly uh, want to win football games, Jimmy Garoppolo is your guy. And again, this is an organizational move, and you've decided to go with Aiden O'Connell. It's hard for people like Devontae Adams or even Josh Jacobs or Jacoby Myers who came here. Okay, Jacoby Myers came over here from New England because he thought, hey, this is going to be a great situation. Team up with Devontae Adams, and you know we're going to be getting uh, the football quite a bit, and, and you're not. You got a veteran like Jimmy Garoppolo you're paying a lot of money to. Yes, he struggled early on in the season. And then Josh McDaniels goes bye-bye, so you just say, okay, we're done with the Patriot way. Well, remember, Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback the San Francisco 49ers. Okay? That's the recent times, not the Patriot way going back to New England. Give Jimmy Garoppolo a chance with Antonio Pierce and Bill Hardigree as your play caller and give him a shot. Because here's the thing. The Raiders aren't 3-8. and eight. Okay, you know, we're just, we're, we're, we're going to build for the future here. There's no guarantee Aiden O'Connell is going to be your future. And especially, which we talked about with this AFC, when, with Buffalo struggling, you know, what it, it, it's six and five or six and six. And oh, there's room. So you make that move at three and five. Okay. Now you're five and seven. Even you go back last week, the week before against these veteran teams, the good teams like Miami. And Kansas City, that's when you go to Garoppolo. And again, I'm repeating myself what I said last week, 
but I'm going to keep saying it over and over. If you want to win games, you go with the veteran, the guy who's more, more experienced. He will give you the better chance to win. Aiden O'Connell is not the best quarterback on that team. And I don't know what we're thinking here or what the Raiders are thinking about. Well, we want to develop the guy. Okay. There's no guarantee that you're, you know, they're going to be looking at other quarterbacks in the offseason. There's no question. You're, it's still minuscule chance of making the playoffs, but you still got that opportunity and you got a couple more home games coming against the Chargers who stink and the Vikings, you know, they're hot and cold. You don't know what you're going to get them. Maybe you pull out that game last week against Miami if it wasn't, you know, for O'Connell's three interceptions, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is the best quarterback you have. You want to try that experiment a week or two, but here's what I'm saying. And I think you'll agree with this. I think everyone would agree with this. Aiden O'Connell does not deserve these extra games because he has not proven anything. He's not that good for you to say he's our future. He hasn't earned that. He's a fourth-round pick. He's he's not a first-round pick, and he wasn't great at Purdue. Remember all of this. So how has he deserved this opportunity sitting over a guy who's been in a Super Bowl and has won a lot of playoff games? Yeah, and you know who would help the most? Josh Jacobs got off to a slow start. We know that because he missed all the camp and everything. He actually is running the football much better right now. His game would improve simply because the defenses can't stack the line and dare the 49ers to run the football. They have to respect the passing game. And we say a good running game helps the quarterback. A good quarterback helps the running game too. Works both ways. Mm-hmm. And right now, it's, it's not that way because nobody, O'Connell doesn't fear any defense that's for sure antonio pierce after the game yesterday talking about uh leading 14 to nothing and then allowing the chiefs to come back yeah you're squeezing all we can i mean obviously 14 nothing is what you want that's a great start um but you knew at some point world champs patrick and those guys will start making plays they did had a good drive there okay got to get going offense and you know obviously it's a collective group thing right it's not just the defense it's offense special teams and I think as the game went on, you know, for four quarters, they became a better team. You know, we had a quarter here or there. And as the game go on, you know, you know, there's a reason why Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football and Kelsey's there. But we got to do a better job of stopping those two players, two players. And then we got opportunities on offense that we, we can make some plays and we didn't make them again. So it comes down to execution and we got to keep working on that. Antonio Pierce talking about uh, leading, but then the Chiefs uh, come storming back. Uh, here's more of Pierce talking about exactly what happened. We knew we had a great opportunity there with Tay on the outside, and we took advantage of that. And then at a point, you know, like every game is going to come to a point where offense stales. And then, all right, how do you rebound from that? And what we're, what we're struggling with right now is just rebounding from those, those dry moments. And you see them. It's very evident in the game, uh, either, you know, a negative play on the second down or on the third down, the conversion where we have, you know, a concept or a play that we like and we're not hitting it. All right, Antonio Pierce, after the loss to the Chiefs yesterday, and uh, the defense did not do their job. Here's his thoughts about uh, the disappointment in the D. Disappointing. I mean, we knew it was coming. A lot of speed on the field. Um, opportunities there for us. Just, you could get the guy down. Give us another chance. And we didn't do that. And that's a little bit of uh, anticipation. Pre-snap awareness by formations, which I thought we did a good job of, of awareness and working on that throughout the week. And then in the game, again, what we we talked about this week was execution. And in critical moments, especially late in the second half, we didn't, we didn't execute at a high level. All right. And it goes back to also to Marcus Peters. Uh, again, obviously, there's you know, something going on there, argument on the sideline. Uh, he gets benched. 
Uh, Max Crosby was injured. He was Crosby was listed as doubtful yesterday. So no one actually knew when you when you hear doubtful in the NFL, that means ninety percent you are not going to play. He's one of the few guys that I've I've seen in recent times that with that type of designation played anyway, played pretty well, you know, actually. But again, not at a hundred percent, but there was Nobody else got their name called yesterday besides Max Crosby. He was in the hospital for like the, a couple of days. Yeah. He had infections or something somewhere. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And he got it out to, to play. But no, the Raider D was just abysmal. Yeah. To me, when, and I know Devontae Adams is the star player, but Max Crosby to me is the face of this team. Really. I, I mean, he, he's very vocal in the locker room. And, you know, like you said, he's a warrior. He's out there. 110% every game. I have not seen a game where we where's Crosby, you know, not a factor. Yeah. No, that's yeah. not the case. No, you're right. And again, because he was drafted by the Raiders and, uh, you know, he, he is that, uh, that fiery engine where Devonte Adams, he's a great superstar player, but he's not going to end his career with the Raiders. No. So, you know, you're right. Crosby is the face uh, of this team. Like Derek Carr was the face of this team has now transferred over to Max Crosby. Finally, here's Antonio Paris talking about losing to the two of the top teams in the league, losing to Miami last week, and then the Kansas City Chiefs. Like we said, you're not playing the Giants or the Jets anymore. Yeah, I mean, it don't matter if I start off 0-2 and then won the last two. You know, each and every week is going to be a challenge. Obviously, the last two teams are very uh, dynamic, explosive. I mean, you're talking about world champs here. Um, a team that's been dominating, good quarterback, good coach, well-coached team. Um, what lessons do I take from it? Don't take anything for granted. You know, don't take the wins for granted. Don't take the losses. We treat them the same way. Uh, I'll learn. Obviously, AP's going to get better, you know, and Bo's going to get better. Aiden's going to get better. Max, you know, Patrick Graham, we all got to get better, man. That, that's, you know, at the end of the day, whenever this is over with and how it ends and the season's over, we'll look back and say, okay, these are things you got to work on going forward. And I think for me personally, it's just sitting back looking at how the game is managed. Is it, the ideas is right, is where we're practicing, showing up on a game field, and, and that's my job to get that better. All right. Um, it's funny how after those two victories, a lot of people are saying, well, Antonio Pierce has got to be uh, the coach going forward. You know, he, he's got the player's attention. He's a player's coach. Hey, that, that, that's fine and dandy. But the bottom line is you got to win football games. And just because the players like you, okay, that's really not the prerequisite for being a successful coach in the NFL. No, but it's definitely better to have a a coach that the players like as opposed to what you had with Josh McDaniels. The players did not. Well, there's no question, there's no, there's no question about that. But yeah. you, what you need, you need an experienced head coach that the players respect. I mean, that's really what it is, an experienced head coach. And McDaniels wasn't an experienced head coach that had success. We know that. We know Devontae Adams has been very, very frustrated for a majority of his time here, going back to last year. Remember the incident he had in Kansas City? We, we've seen the thrown helmet uh, earlier this year, last year as well, too. Uh, you can just uh, hear the frustration. Here is Devontae Adams after the loss yesterday talking about what happened, especially after getting out to a two-touchdown lead and then suffering another loss. I mean, we just win a couple possessions without putting any points on the board, and um, you know they got a really good offense. So it just kind of put ourselves in a tough spot by not helping the defense out and, and pushing their lead. Um, and then we went in 0-0 at halftime and just didn't didn't take care of it. Didn't really 
um, have any momentum to get something going in the second half. No disrespect to them, but it was just about, it was more about what we were doing. I mean, we just didn't really execute the, the way that we had been, you know, that in the positions that put us, you know, with some points on the board. So we just got to do a better job of sticking to the things that, you know, get us to that point, staying aggressive and, and uh, just finding a way to finish it. It's, it is frustrating. It's confusing, too. And, uh, yeah, I don't really know what to say or, you know, exactly why it went the way it did, but we just couldn't figure it out in the second half. What's the mentality like? It first? went that way because <laughs> you have a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach, and it's frustrating. You know, again, you're going to commit to the run. You got 20 uh, carries for Josh Jacobs. Okay, that's irrelevant. It really is irrelevant. You don't need to say, I'm going to, you know, we need the run to set up the pass. Okay, I get it. Jacobs is probably your second best football player on the offensive side of the ball. I get that. But then, you know, when you got uh, a rookie quarterback, you are your, your play calling is safe. You don't want him to lose the game for you. That's not how you're going to beat opponents like the Miami Dolphins and especially the champs and the Chiefs. No, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, to make a comparison, you know, you got to throw the football on first down to give it, make it a high percentage pass, but you've got to ease up that defense. There, you can't run first and second down and be in third and longs and be successful. And, you know, again, I bring up a lot of comparisons to the Steelers and Kenny Pickett. He has not progressed. He's regressed from last year, but they got rid of the the guy. One game, they threw the football more yesterday. Can you go a, an entire segment without bringing up the Pittsburgh Steelers? No, can you pick it? No, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Not happening. <laughs> but that that goes to play calling. Yeah, I mean the comparison is there. Uh, you you can't be predictable on first and second down. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Raiders lose thirty one seventeen. They got a bye week uh, coming up uh, now, and the. To try to get healthy, and that's what the players are saying. Hey, it's crazy. 13 weeks, and you finally get a bye. Uh, pretty crazy, but uh, they need that. At least the Raiders are not going to lose next week. <laughs> well, they're not. And if they really wanted to go into this bye week, you come out and start Jimmy Garoppolo in the next game for the two weeks. That sounds good. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's the move I would have made two weeks ago, so we'll see. We come back, we'll talk college football, we'll talk UNLV and the championship game coming up Saturday in the Mountain West Conference Championship. Oh man, we've come a long way, huh? Plus, we got Big Ten, Pac-12, SEC, and a whole lot more hitting the college side. Chuck Esposito will join us from Red Rock as we talk about favorites dominating the NFL and we got Monday Night Football to talk about tonight as well, too. Ooh, super flat.